welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, Miami takes its first loss of the season, but uh, it sounds like you had a pretty good time in, in College Station. Kind of, if you count one and a half hours sleep. and a Good atmosphere, good atmosphere, at least. No, the atmosphere was awesome. It was really, really fun. Um, 107,000 people um and yeah it was it's it's a rarity you don't see that very much you yeah. definitely don't see that at what, it's one of the biggest stadiums in the country and what it was the third largest crowd they'd ever had yeah. so uh and largest crowd ever for a non-conference opponent so it the was Miami uh, brand is strong uh even if uh you know hate <laughs> the haters don't want to admit it obviously uh to get a, true. a crowd like that for for a game like that where Texas A&M was coming off a loss and Miami is, you know, um, down at number 25 in the polls now, probably, I think kind of probably a little low, obviously it's early in the year, but um, I think I, we I a lot of good, a lot of, a lot of bad from, from the weekend, right? Some of the concerns mm-hmm. we had um, going into that game and going into the season look like real concerns right now. Um, but some of the things that, that Mario Cristobal is really preaching as a points of emphasis. Um, we're, we're really impressive from the weekend. Um, let's start though with uh, we got to start with the bad because it's kind of the news. Uh, we recorded last week before uh, you broke the news that Xavier Restrepo uh, is out indefinitely uh, with a foot injury. Um, what Mario said after the game, at least six or probably about six minimum. weeks. He said minimum of minimum six, six weeks, weeks which so minimum of six weeks means probably, probably more like eight, eight right? It's going to be a yeah. while. Um mm-hmm middle of ACC play basically at this point. And then it gets a little worse this week. Uh, Jacoby George, who came back from a two game suspension against Texas A&M. And I I thought looked, you know, looked like he was going to be really useful to this team. Uh, He hurts his hand uh, and is going to miss time as well. Uh, So Miami is suddenly down to, I think seven healthy scholarship wide Mm -hmm. receivers. One of those is a true freshman, Isaiah Horton. Uh, One is, uh, Jacoby, or sorry, Colby, Colby. Young, a, a Juco yeah. transfer who's in his first year with the program. Um, not a whole lot of catches left in that room. We, we talked about how Restrepo was going to be the clear cut number one. Um, right. now, and, and in the first two games of the year, we, we didn't see a, a clear cut number two. Um, now that now those guys who were competing to just be a reliable number two option are going to have to be the number one. Um, a pretty devastating blow for Miami. You could really feel it on Saturday. Uh, a lot of drops from the wide receivers, Michael Redding, who I think had kind of looked like the most reliable uh, option outside of Xavier Restrepo, had a pretty rough game, a, a couple of drops for him. Uh, Keyshawn Smith, who is the big play guy, uh, and I think we, we had pretty high hopes for him as a big play guy. You know, those are going to come and go. It's He's not that complete number one guy yet. Um, and Miami's offense, particularly the passing offense, kind of struggled on, on Saturday and obviously no touchdowns um, for them as they go up to Texas A&M. Uh, it's a, it's a, not a great spot for Miami to be in with a couple of weeks until ACC play starts. No, uh, no. And it's we've been saying it really all. Yeah, it's been season, since the right? first all practice of camp, right? We were like, fall oh, camp. Oh, and, like. Yeah. yeah. And then and then all of a sudden, like with a week to go in fall camp, they they were getting better, apparently. And not too bad. I mean, the first two games and yeah. we thought, okay, you know, they're over this. And, 
I think I, I think there were seven actually drops. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I felt bad because, you know, Brashard Smith, uh, you know, on the final drive, Miami has a chance to to win to actually tie the game. They were eight points down. Right. And uh, I think they got the ball first and 10 on the 40 um, of uh, their own 40. And and Richard has a nice 11 yard catch to start the series. And we're like, OK, they're they're rolling here. There was only a minute and something left. And uh, but then on uh, then then on, uh, you know, the final play, he drops the ball mm-hmm. right in his hand. I mean, right alone or not exactly alone, but would have been would have gotten a first down. Um, should have got yeah, it should have, and they they it would have been very tough, but they they could have. The the hope was there, and uh, you got to feel bad for him. And what a way to go down, right? I yeah. mean, with all all those drops and um, I just well, we'll talk about all the good things they did, all the bad things, but um, very disappointing. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll definitely. I mean, I thought there was a lot of good. We both of us were pretty positive i think coming out of that game we'll get to that in the second half um the, the wide receiver issue like you said those first two games you know i think xavier Restrepo, you know xavier Restrepo is probably not like gonna get drafted right he's just a not doesn't have that profile uh athletically or, or or size wise but he looked like a legit you know a guy who when you have a great quarterback in tyler van dyke um you know his two wide receivers last year didn't get drafted like he looked like a guy who could pretty adequately give you kind of what Mike Harley gave you last year um, as yeah. that reliable middle of the field. Uh, every once in a while, he'll break one. Probably not quite as fast as Harley, but, you know, can just be that safety valve. Um, and in the first two games of the year, he, like he looked like every bit of what kind of the team was kind of hyping him up to be in that regard. Um, the And then the, the secondary guys, you know, Redding, I thought was pretty good in game one. Uh, Keyshawn Smith obviously caught a touchdown in game two. Um, but they just weren't throwing, you know, they, they were leaning on the run and we knew that was going to be a big part of the equation for them this year. Um, They had to throw more on Saturday. Obviously they were trailing pretty much from the jump in that game. Not that they were ever down huge, but you know, you throw more when you're behind Um, obviously you're maybe your best player on offense is your quarterback. You want him to have the ball in his hands um, with, Mm -hmm. you know, in big spots. And Mm -hmm. You know, we just we didn't we didn't see either of those two guys who were kind of flashing as that potential number two guy come through. Um, you know, I, I still have faith, in, especially in a guy like Keyshawn Smith, um, to potentially, you know, Texas A&M is probably other than maybe Clemson, Texas A&M is probably the best defense they're going to play all year. So, like, it's going to get easier. You know, people talk about all the what were the what was the run that Tyler had at the end of the year 300 plus yards and three plus touchdowns in, in five six straight games you know those yeah. were ACC not great defenses he was going up against right so like I, I think this little uh you know a, a subpar performance against Texas A&M doesn't mean that this the passing game is going to be a mess all year long but you know you you don't have anyone who you feel is good about Harley or, or Rambo at this point. And, you know, they'll, they'll play middle Tennessee this weekend, which is um, their big favorites. What, like 28 point favorites or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Four touchdown favorites, basically. Right. Um, Kind of another preseason game. Then they've got to buy and then they go into ACC play the following week. Like they've got to kind of get this figured out. It's probably a good time to be having to figure this out. Right. When you get, 
a relatively easy game and a buy to build some confidence, hopefully with some of these young guys. But um, you know, you kind of only have two weeks before the games start to really matter. Cause obviously now everything is about like, always. there's always the coastal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The last chance for the coastal too. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't, you know, about that bye week, I don't really, I don't love it so early. Um, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, you'd always kind of rather it late in the year when you're more dinged up or whatever. Well, they're kind yeah. of dinged up now, but. And, well, and maybe after a good team, but I don't know. In years past, they have not done well, as we've yeah. written about a lot, you know, after uh, after bye week. So so who knows? But um, mm-hmm. they definitely have to get their passing game together. Tyler knows. Um, he seems different. I don't know what it is. Um you know, we talked to him a couple times. He's always up front, always very frank. Yeah. I love talking to him because he seems real honest and never cares about what you ask him. Um, and uh, we just, I, I have a feeling they'll have a good game. Yeah, I mean, season. it's like we said, right. Middle Tennessee. If I'm them, right. you know, we've saw in those first two games of the year, they, they've wanted to run it, right? Like games against team, you're over, uh, overmatched opponents. You trust your quarterback. You, you get the run game going a little bit. I would like to see them flip that a little bit this week. And even if it means that you're not going to win by 40 points, throw it around a little bit, let these, you know, let Romello Brinson try to make a couple of big catches. Um, Brashard Smith, who I, you wrote about him on, on Monday and, and obviously the drop that he had at the end of the game. But to me, he is, he obviously started in place of, of Restrepo. I think in the first two weeks, he really popped in those. You know, he's, his snaps were limited because he plays the same position as Restrepo. But right. to me, he's the guy who is kind of, I think, most interesting because he can be in some ways like what Mike Harley was, where he is not just a middle-of-the-field possession receiver, but he might be the fastest guy on the offense. Yeah, he um, takes the ball in the wildcat. He, yeah, exactly. I mean, he, yeah. He, he runs, does – can do trick plays and all but that. But again, he's a, a sophomore who hasn't hit adversity, right? It's you, you ask Mario and a couple of guys about this, just like how, how do you make sure he responds? And, you know, it's, it's going to be really important to make sure that a play like that doesn't linger for him. We haven't gotten to talk right. to well, him. Exactly, what, what Mario said is you go out and catch a thousand balls. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the only way you do it. If you're a hurricane, that's what, you know, that's what they believe. And I bet you those kids were out there Yeah, with the jug machines and uh, you know, going overtime mm-hmm. this week. So uh, you know, and, and they're going to try to get the tight ends. We talked yeah. about. We saw today. Will Mallory had his best game of the year so far on Saturday. I thought he was. Yeah, the the thing good. is, David, yeah, Will Mallory, Will, excuse me, Mallory had his best game, but it was 56 yards. Mm-hmm. He, he caught six catches, which, you know, that's great. Um, 56 yards. And I think he had 48 yards uh, after the catch, which is great too. Yeah. Really good. Um, but, you know, they need these guys to, the leading receiver to catch, you know, to have more than yeah. 56 He's not yards. Kyle Pitts or Brock Bowers. Like he's a good tight end, but he's not, at least so far, has not been that tight end who can be the substitute for a number one wide receiver. Right. And I, I, you know, they, they talked about today, uh, uh, we asked Mario about Jaleel Skinner mm-hmm. and Mario was like, yes, he's doing great and stuff, but he's, uh, you know, he's very slight, skinny, he's tall, six, five. Um, 
uh, Mario said he's gotten stronger. You know, he has one one catch for 30 yards. Just they've just someone's got to come through, basically, uh, whether it's a running back. Even the running backs have dropped the ball. Yeah. Yeah. You know, drop passes. I mean, so. Yeah, just, some, some of it will fall on, on Josh Gaddis too, right? It, you, you, I mean, you asked Tyler about, and Gaddis was asked about this too a little bit, but just the, you know, it's such a different offense than what they were running last year. Um, and yes, it, there's been a lot of positive from, I mean, the run game has been fantastic. We're going to talk about that when we talk about the positives from this game, but they kind of ran the ball down Texas A&M's throat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they, have, they were one of the worst rushing teams in the country last year. So like, Tyler Van Dyke is not going to have to be the player he was last year for Miami to have a good offense. You know, if Tyler was this kind of guy last year, they would have been one of the worst teams in the country, Country, but um, right. they just don't need that anymore. Um, but, like, clearly, like, there's not as many open guys. There's not – and the, the thing that stands out to me is, you know, once every – once or twice a game uh, – Brett Lash, you would like have a play that just like was an automatic touchdown, right? They did that, um, like play action where the there were Will Mallory would run down the seam and it was he was wide open every time, pretty much it felt like, or Jalen Knighton on a wheel route. Like they they got to manufacture big plays a little bit more, which I think is um, that was, that's a real strength of Brett Lashley, who obviously was maybe the best offensive coordinator in the country last year. Um, and Josh Gaddis, that's that's not the kind of offense that he has run. Um, but obviously, every you know, a, a good offensive coordinator can can adjust. And I think manufacturing some offense and and some easy throws, not just checkdowns and stuff, but easy throws that become touchdowns, is something this offense kind of is gonna need. And you know, they're they're the, the explosive plays have not been there uh, in the same way they were last year and again they played texas a&m who's better than anyone they'll play pretty much but right um, it you know tyler's good to generate a lot of deep big plays last year and they haven't done that so far and and tyler this last game i thought he threw uh several times into windows way too tight i mean there were yeah there were a lot of oohs and ahs in the press box no cheering but a lot of oohs and ahs (laughs) as far as we thought there we thought some of those balls were going to be picked off honestly um, so yeah, I mean, everybody's got to improve in the passing game. That's it. You ready? Showtime on May 3rd. Summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Switching gears uh, to the positives, because, again, we, we were pretty, um, you know, Miami, what were they underdogs by the end going in there? Six points, basically. Um, obviously, they don't quite cover, but 
I think that was kind of the game people expected lows. I mean, I think people expect Miami to score a touchdown. Um, uh, yeah, I think I I think we <laughs> kind of missed that, isn't it? I mean, they you know four trips to the to the red zone yeah. and no touchdowns. I mean, that was the that was really the big that the was big the story thing. of the game essentially. Yeah. Um, right. And obviously, exactly. the passing game is part of that. When they run the ball three times inside the ten and never let Tyler throw, that is, you know, you could quibble. You could be like, why doesn't Josh Gaddis trust Tyler Van Dyke? But it's also like. Why doesn't Josh Gaddis trust his receivers? Because the receivers have not proven themselves. Like there, there's a lot of components to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, what was the step? Miami had 27, 27 first, first down. First team since at least 2000, which I think as far back as college football references play index goes. So it's probably even longer um, to have 27 first downs and not score a touchdown. So um, yeah, the 27 first down. I mean, every they outrush the other team. I put they outpass the other team as far yeah. as yardage uh, by a lot. They were just um, terrible in the red zone. It was kind of um, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Bill Connolly from ESPN for the big games. Usually we'll put out these like big graphic charts of like percentages and where that falls in the percentile. And Miami like beat Texas A&M in pretty much every category, um, yeah. except for I think like third down and red zone, which is. Stuff that you can kind of clean up, right? People say situational football is like a little bit of luck to that. Um, a little bit of just executing better could make a big difference. Um, but yeah, there's pretty much red zone killed them. And that's why I kind of feel positive because, you know, uh, like if you just I, scored I a touchdown on some of those trips, you win by two touchdowns. But um, I know it's like the bad things were kind of the good things to, if you had turned right. it inside out. I mean, the, the, the clear positive I, I wrote about this on Monday is like, they went up, went out to Texas A&M, which is this big recruiting behemoth and their lines are filled with behemoths because of it. Um, right. you know, they've got a ton of five-star defensive linemen on that team, a ton of blue chip offensive linemen. And we know Miami, Although over the last two cycles, I think they've recruited a little bit better on the offensive line. We know offensive line is a, a, a question. Uh, we, we're, we like this defensive line, but again, it's kind of makeshift defensive line, right? Like you expect in five years and Mario Cristobal has been recruiting, like that defensive line is going to look like a lot, you know, like obviously Akeem Mesidor and all these guys are great, but they're not those six six two seventy defensive ends. Um, despite and that, they're like, not, yeah. They're not, and they're not going to be here that long. Right. Some, um, but mean, despite that expected talent gap, Miami, what was it? I don't have the number. I should have pulled this up, but what I think 4.8 yards per carry to Texas A&M's 3.9, uh, 12 QB hits and three sacks to Texas A&M's five and zero. Um, like they kind of kicked Texas A&M's butt up front, which I don't think. I mean, if you told me that Miami was going to do that, I would definitely have thought they would have won this game. And they're really going to kick Middle Tennessee's butt. <laughs> yeah. up front. They might kick everyone's butt in the ACC except Clemson, right? Like that's the that's the good part of this is, yeah, the off the wide the the passing game is kind of underwhelming right now. But like, if they're just going to be able to bulldoze other teams' defensive lines, I mean, like they're going to move the ball up and down the field against everyone in the ACC. I mean, I, I like Middle Tennessee is I. <laughs> looked at 100, 101st in the nation in passing offense, 104th in rushing offense. <laughs> They're 98th in sacks allowed, uh, 100, wow, 130th in tackles for loss allowed. And Miami 
uh, is is team sacks. Miami's 27th, tackles for Miami's. I could just see it. They're going to be very hungry this game. Yeah. But, uh, but yes, and what you said. And by the way, another thing to me that was really impressive was with those 107,000 fans, it was so loud, David. And they were <laughs> really, to me, they were composed. I yeah, think not a whole lot start. of, I don't have, what were the penalties? It was like not one, egregious. Yeah, one no, false start, I think was it. One false start and then some dumb ones. But I mean, I, you know. Um, yeah, personal the, foul. Was, James Williams had one, I think, right? Well, the like, but in terms of like those procedure penalties, calm. delays of game, false they starts, were really, sides, they were they were clean. They were really focused. They were really calm. Uh, there were there weren't any fights or anything like that. I mean, there what their emotions. They kept it in check. It was, it was impressive. I think uh, Tyler took a little too long uh, with the clock management sometimes between plays. But I mean, it was really loud. So he'd go up and put his hand on right. Jakai Clark's back. You know, like. Uh, however they did it it was a it, they did a real mirrorball or mario did a really good job of preparing them for the noise i mean they're not going to be i don't think they're going to be intimidated now at clemson or whatever yeah. at, you know yeah I mean, that'll, be so, the, that'll be the rowdiest environment they play i mean clemson i guess Cle- even clemson more than clemson probably clemson's loud well, clemson's, but have you been there i have for yeah, a really crappy syracuse clemson game <laughs> I, i've been there for i think miami won a long time ago but they won in like triple double triple overtime it was a like incredible game uh-huh. miami won and it is <clears throat> you know the way it's built up yeah kind of stadium it's like this ton of i don't it's loud there i do know that but so that should be kind of fun that game also mm-hmm. um but they anyway they handled this texas a&m team very well in that respect and i can't after all that they only lost by eight I know. I mean, they were, they, and they almost, what it was, they were down. Uh, I mean, they, they, they kind of route. I mean, it's weird to say rallied when they only scored nine points, but they like kind of rallied late in that game. I mean, I think it's, it might get forgotten how close they were to recovering a muff punt, like I know inside the 10 there that would have like totally changed the complexion. And, and again, like it's, you know, that's another reason that you know, fumble luck is it's a, like a thing, right? Miami muffs a punt and it bounces to Texas A&M. Texas A&M muffs a punt and they, they recover. Like if those are flipped, then Miami wins that game, obviously. So like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you like, I know like they, they lost this game and like silver line, like, you know, who cares ultimately and Miami fans and that, as they should be like, you know, the, the reason they're, it's nice that I, I tweeted this. It's nice for my, if I'm a Miami fan, it's nice to be frustrated because you feel like you should have won that game then be frustrated because you lost by 50 points to Alabama or Clemson and feel like you're like 10 years away from being able to. Yeah. Like you walked Definitely. You walked away from that game and thought, Oh, okay. They played. Okay. Yeah. Like, Miami that sucks. We should have won. Yeah, was, yeah. But it was kind of a fun game. So. Yeah. Not the most entertaining game in the world, but uh, competitive, know. obviously. It was, it was close. Yeah. Competitive. And again, for Miami, I think like, again, I, I know like the, the passing and the offensive issues and, and maybe some of the conservative conservatism, conservative conservatism inside the, the red zone, which Barry Jackson, our colleague wrote about are, are pretty frustrating and like, you know, long-term outlook. Like that's, you know, you thought your passing game was going to be your strength. Um, doesn't look like that right now. 
Like that's all frustrating, but at the same time, like ultimately now that now that you lost to Texas AM, like put it behind you. The main goal is to win the coastal or the AC. Obviously, the main goal now is to win the ACC, but but coastal has to come first. Um, like what we saw from Miami in terms of what they can do in the trenches, the way the defense has improved. I know Texas AM's offense has been really, really rough this year, but you know, they basically only yeah. give up 10 points. Again, you know, they gifted them up nothing field on that muff punt. Like the defense basically like kind of only responsible for 10 of those points. Um, like really, I thought pretty impressive stuff from them. Um, again, against a team that I know is struggling on offense, but you know, the talent they have, you know, they're running back as a track and field, all American, Right. Um, you know, Aeneas Smith is like a potential American because of like what he can do, what he can do as a return specialist. Um, and I, I think, you know, you, the defensive line looked really good. The linebackers, um, you know, I don't care that much about PFF grades, but PFF graded those two guys out really well, uh, Caleb J- Johnson and Corey, Corey Flag. Um, and I know Corey Flag has had his ups and downs, and DJ Ivy, another guy who's had his ups and downs throughout his career, was fantastic. Yeah, um, he really was. He really were like two pass breakups in a row, I think. Right? Yeah, right. and he was good. Ta- and he was a good tackler. Like, there's a lot of those. Obviously, James Williams. He had the one penalty, but that was like an effort penalty, right? It's like a right. You know, you'd rather have that than a holding defensive holding down the field. But he was great. A couple pass breakups too. Like, there's a lot, a lot of positives that, again, it's frustrating that you're not on Georgia, Alabama, Ohio state, that caliber, but you're like the, the, the product you put on the field on Saturday is good enough to win the coastal division, certainly. And I, I know it's a low bar, but it's a bar. Miami is not cleared very often. Yeah. But it's the thing is it might be a low bar, but it gets you to a high place. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so I mean, if they could get to the uh, ACC title game, um, that's huge. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, you got to like, you can't, you don't go from zero to the playoff, <laughs> right? You got to, you got to hit, yeah. hit, hit those marks. And and sound I sound like Mario. One, one, one game. One, one, one game play at a time. Day. One rep at a time. You know, one day, one day. Just win the day. Win the play. Whatever. Uh, but so, so we're, we're, I mean, we don't have to dive too much into a middle Tennessee preview. I think both of us expect Miami to come out and take out some frustrations on them a little bit. I'd like to see them throw the ball around. Like I said, just because I think you got to find some guys and the more chemistry you can build, the better uh, middle Tennessee runs uh, basically an air raid offense. Air so, raid. Yep. Um, yep. It's going to be a, an interesting test for the secondary, which I think was one definitely one of the strengths for Miami on Saturday. Good test for a guy like DJ Ivy, who took a big step forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he and Tyreek Stevenson can keep their play going, Miami's got a really but, good corner situation. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I, I mean, I, I think they'll, they'll take their frustrations out this week and get back on track. I think so, David. Their strength is uh, their defense. Yeah. So I mean, they 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 are very aggressive. Um, they're it's funny. Nineteenth in passes intercepted in the nation. I mean, I it's Middle Tennessee. They play in Conference USA. Um, yeah. 
but their um uh, their sacks are they're way up there. They're seventh in yeah, the they're, they're, a, they're an aggressive defense, in the yeah. ITFL. Yep. Um and there's another one, red zone. Listen to this. Oh yeah, this you, you mentioned this to me. Yeah. This is kind of funny. I'm gonna write this in my advance, but their their red zone defense defense uh is ninth in the nation. <laughs> their red zone defense. I mean, again, okay, it's middle Tennessee and they've played, you know, they haven't played anybody, but um they're still ninth. Yeah. So, so good, some good tests for Miami this weekend. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, like it's basically a preseason game, um, but you need, I mean, when you, when you got question marks, you need the preseason to, to figure, figure out some answers. Um, Then, as you said, they go into the bye week and then ACC play gets started and um, we're off. Then we're off. Then it's every week, every Saturday, the rest of the way um, with important ACC games. Um, you know, no matter the quality of competition, all of those are important when um, Miami is going to be favored pretty much every week the rest of the way, except probably against Clemson. You think we'll see? Um, you think we'll see Jake Garcia this game? I yeah, do. I mean, I don't think like they're they're not going to like. Like I said, I don't know if they're going to like run it up in the way. Like I think if they ran the ball on like every play, if they ran it, like if they did what they did in those first two games, they could kind of intentionally run up the score and be like. Let's get Jake the fourth quarter. I think, I mean, if this is my thought process. Like, they have questions at wide receiver and in the passing game. Like, let those guys work things out. I would guess we'll see Jake because I would guess this is going to be a blowout. Um, and he'll get a couple series at the end. But I don't think they're like, you give Jake Garcia half the game no matter what, right? Like, you're, you're, you wait until you're firmly in control and then, then you let the backup get in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what they'll do. Yeah. Because they, they do need to get him playing time so all right Uh, i think we can wrap things up there uh you can follow susan on twitter at s miller degnan um check out all of her coverage from texas a&m and leading up to the middle tennessee game um you can follow me on twitter at dv wilson too uh we'll both be at hard rock stadium on saturday um to see if miami can get back on track after their first loss of the mario cristobal era um So anyway, thanks as always for listening and we will talk to you guys next week.